0: Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone. And TakeOver Toronto 2 was on Saturday night. I attended it live in Toronto's Scotiabank Arena. SummerSlam was from the same arena last night in Toronto. Didn't attend that, but we'll talk about all the events that took place the last two nights here in Toronto. And we'll start things off with TakeOver Toronto 2. Now, this week's episode of NXT was taped before TakeOver on Saturday night. However, we won't talk about that. i will allow you to watch the show Wednesday night without knowing what takes place beforehand. So when TakeOver kicked off... It was the Undisputed Era's Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish going up against the Street Profits. Now, just a note from the live attendance, there was a lot of Undisputed fans there. There was groups of guys that were showing up wearing their Undisputed Era t-shirts, like, together, wearing, like, their matching Undisputed Era t-shirts. They'd all stand up at the same time and shout, "Bay Bay." Uh, whenever Adam Cole was introduced, despite being a heel group, the Undisputed Era really are kind of this cool heel group of NXT. And I'm going to compare them a little bit, even though I know some older fans will get angry. I'm going to compare them a little bit to the Four Horsemen for a little bit. I mean, the Four Horsemen. Now, I didn't get a lot of NWA growing up, but Sort of like with the Four Horsemen, was amongst the first kind of times where you saw people cheering for the bad guys. Like, you'd, if, like, I remember I was watching an old Ric Flair clip and they clipped to the audience, and this is like the mid 80s, right? When everybody showed up to the arena, you know, with Sting face paint on, or the, I mean, everybody cheered the good guys. But there was a group of guys who were probably, like, in their 20s or whatever, all decked out in suits like the Four Horsemen would wear, aviator shades like the Four Horsemen. And they were basically cosplaying before cosplaying was a term. I mean, they were dressed up in costume, right? They were playing with costumes. And and that's kind of... I that's what I saw in the in the live crowd for Takeover was a lot of uh I mean male fans in their you know 20s or teenagers or you know young kind of youngish male fans really into undisputed era and really like cheering like Adam Cole is their guy. And I think that was the the one thing that really jumped out at me from attending TakeOver Live was just how popular the Undisputed Era are. But, like, their their popularity... like, I mean, obviously, they're all great wrestlers. They all uh, built up large followings on the indie scene. I mean, Adam Cole is a three-time Ring of Honor world champion. Um, So it's not surprising that they are popular. But I didn't think they were so popular... That, like, groups of people would be buying their merchandise together. But on the other hand, that there might have been more of that for this takeover. Because the Undisputed Era were in three championship matches. There was five matches on the show. Not including the uh, a- episode of NXT taped beforehand. And the Undisputed Era have, had championship matches in, in three of the five of them. So... I mean, they were challenging for every male championship in in NXT, and they would only win one of three. But I, the the one they won was the world title, right? And so, or well, the NXT championship, which um, you know would be the the most important one. But it started off with the Street Profits versus Fish and O'Reilly, and. There was a lot of Fish and O'Reilly fans there. I mean, nobody's gonna boo the Street Profits. Obviously, the Street Profits, their popularity is exploding. Um, they've really been given a great role right now because they're they're the NXT Tag Team Champions, so playing a, a pivotal role in the tag team division in NXT, and that's a a fun division to be on, right? But they're also featured on the main roster, but they're not featured on the main roster in any way which takes away from what they do in NXT. When they are on the main roster, they don't cut promos about themselves, aside from Angelo Dawkins uh, uh, you know, having a thing for Nikki Cross. For the most part, they're not talking about themselves. They're talking about the show. They run down what has already happened on the show in an entertaining way. So they're not so much on the Raw roster as they do kind of narrate Raw a little bit. Or they have this segment where they basically talk about Raw. And I thought maybe the story coming into this match is, will the Street Profits lose the titles and move up to the main roster full-time and leave NXT? And that's this sort of little... Um, unique part about NXT and probably not unique in a good way, but it doesn't take away from it too much in that you're sometimes rooting for the people that you want to, to stay in NXT. You want them to win so they don't end up going up to the main roster or vice versa. Or depending on if you like the main roster better than NXT, you might be cheering for a champion to lose their title so that they could go up to NXT. Like, if you really wanted to see Shayna Baszler on the main roster, you would have been cheering against her at TakeOver because if she is not the NXT Women's Champion, then there's more chance of her going to the main roster. So it's this weird little thing where you're never quite sure if you should be cheering for someone. But if you really like NXT and you want people like the Street Profits to stay on NXT and not go to the main roster, then you're cheering for all the champions to retain their titles so that they don't move up. I don't know if the Street Profits are going to move up to Raw permanently. Obviously... As soon as Paul Heyman took over the show, they became featured on it. So obviously Paul Heyman wants them on the show. But there's now all these rumors and it, that NXT could expand to a two-hour live show broadcast on FS1 every Wednesday night. If that happens, and this is just a rumor, it's been reported... In the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And it's been reported as if talks in Fox or at Fox have advanced to the part that they are assuming that this is happening. NXT is going to be weekly television. It's going to be live. It's going to be two hours, 8 to 10 p.m. If that's the case. Then do you really consider NXT as a lesser brand than either Raw or SmackDown. I wouldn't at that point. At that point, that's, that's the next step where it's like, okay, they're on television. This isn't a brand that is completely behind a paywall with the network. They're on FS1. At this point, this is just another main roster brand and your developmental system is just whatever goes on at the performance center behind closed doors and not broadcast on the WWE network because the street profits if they were going to raw full time and leaving NXT one would assume i mean this is the la- this was the last takeover before the move to fox before NXT would be on FS1 before AEW would be on TNT. So you would think that maybe if the Street Profits were going to Raw full-time, they would have lost this match. But they won this match. And this was a straight-up tag team match. The Undisputed Era didn't try anything underhanded. They didn't try to cheat. They tried to, to win cleanly, but the Street Profits did win cleanly. and so i I think that's significant too I mean they won clean, so now for fish and O'Reilly to get an another crack at the titles they're gonna need to do something to earn it so I don't know we'll just have to we'll just have to uh, wait and see I mean there's definitely gonna be new teams in the uh n x t tag team division that we're gonna see or uh, you know some teams like the Forgotten Sons. You know, maybe we're going to see more of them. But then after that, so, oh, and, I mean, that was a great, just on the match itself. I mean, it was a really fun match. You can definitely see how well Fish and O'Reilly work together. And just how, how much people like the Street Profits. I mean, the Street Profits entrance got a huge pop and really feels just like a big, kind of party, right? And I noticed that they came out first, too, or did they come out first? I can't remember. Okay, well, whatever. But uh, the Street Profits, I mean, from the entrance on, it just seems like you're having a fun time. And they kind of wrestle that way, too, you know? But it was two of the best tag teams, I think, in WWE right now, or for sure in WWE right now. And, I mean, Fish and O'Reilly, in terms of how they work, uh, are just fantastic to watch. Like, it's so fun to watch their double team chain wrestling and Kyle, and they both do a lot of stuff that's very MMA based, um, but they do it sort of in a pro wrestling way. What I mean by, and like Kyle O'Reilly specifically, he'll do MMA stuff, but he'll do it in a very dramatic or exaggerated way. And I just, I don't know, I find that pretty fun to watch. But Street Profits getting the win, or getting the clean win over Fish and O'Reilly. Then we moved on to a fantastic match, which I didn't think was going to be so, but Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae. And this was really Eo's first big match since turning heel. If you remember, she turned heel, bat, bat, you know, bad guy, <laughs> Um At the last take, or well, in her last program with Shayna Baszler, and she had a steel cage match, which I think was just on NXT television, but she had a steel cage match with Baszler for the title, and of course, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir came out, Baszler's running buddies from the Four Horsewomen of MMA, Candice LeRae came out to try and fend off Duke and Shafir, but... In the end, uh, Baszler had Shirai in a choke. Shirai hit Baszler with the the steel door. Baszler tumbled through the door, won the match. Shirai, after losing the match to Baszler, she snapped. She takes out her aggression on Candice LeRae, and that set up this match between Shirai and Candice LeRae here. So I was thinking this is a really important match to Shirai, not just because she just turned heel, but also because... Um, I mean, she just lost in that program to Baszler, right? So we've just we've already seen her go for the title and lose. Now we need to see like there need you know we need to see what's next for Io Shirai, and what's next is this new version of Io Shirai. She's not. Wearing the mask to the ring, that bubbly music is gone. This is a mar- uh, much uh, darker and more vicious Eo Shirai, and it was sort of a perfect mix because you have this Candace LeRae character who's, you know, kind of all bubblegum and happiness. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's sort of, and, and it was. Uh, uh, Shirai eventually trapping her in a triangle lock and Candice LeRae going to sleep in what was a really, really fun match that uh, I, I think a lot of people were kind of surprised that this match was that good. I I think I went into it thinking that this is just going to be a total showcase for Shirai and like LeRae will get in some stuff, but it'll be like a couple of steps above a squash match. Uh, It wasn't that. I mean, it was definitely played up as a back and forth match. But in the end, Shirai uh, was just a little better and got the win with that triangle, putting LeRae to sleep. So now, so now Candice LeRae, that should, well, for Candice LeRae and Shirai, that's, I think that's probably the end of this feud. Unless Larray decides she needs to get some type of revenge or whatever. But it seems as though Shirai just beat her clean. And now it's it's on to the next thing. So in terms of top-ranked babyface women in the NXT women's division, I mean, you got Bianca Belair is right there. Uh, Mia Yim, now that she's lost to Baszler as well. So there's um, lots of... Uh, Programs and stuff that Shirai could go into now that she's made a heel turn. Then we had a segment. Was this next? Yeah. Okay. Then we had a segment with Matt Riddle came out and I was just so glad that Matt Riddle was on the show because originally when this takeover came out, I thought there was a chance that it could be Riddle challenging for the NXT championship. You know, he's a huge star. He seems like someone Triple H would really want to put the belt on. Um, but then, this last batch of tapings in between takeovers, he's ended up in this program with Killian Dane that never really. Um, they were supposed to have a match on the tapings. Dane attacked Riddle before the match could start. And then there was nothing set up for either one for Takeover. So Riddle just comes out, calls Dane out. They have a wild brawl that results in both of them going through a table. There was also a whole bunch of extras that got beat up by Riddle during the uh, melee, I will call it. Uh, and a bunch of them were kind of regulars on the Toronto indie scene. Like Stone Rockwell, the man of adventure that you might see. On uh, Impact Wrestling from time to time. Uh, I'm pretty sure he got beat up. Sebastian Suave, who's like the founder of Smash Wrestling here, he got beat up. So Matt Riddle, Killian Dane, This is sort of an important feud for Killian Dane because it's him coming back to NXT, but it's also an important feud for Riddle. Like, Riddle dropped a match to Velveteen Dream for the North American title on on a takeover. Now, it was definitely played up that Velveteen Dream got sort of a fluky roll-up-pinning combination win, but all the same, Riddle's coming off a loss and Killian Dane's coming off a main roster run, which really never developed. So both of them seem like they need a win here. So we'll see what happens between Matt Riddle and Killian Dane moving forward. Then next up, we have the North American Championship. Uh, Velveteen Dream came out, did an entrance with the Raptors Dance Pack, twenty nineteen NBA champions, um, and uh, also with the Mounties theme song and some people and the dance pack dressed up as the Mounties. That was a big hit with those in attendance. Both the Mountie and the Raptors. uh, Very popular in Canada. Um, And it was uh, Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong, and Pete Dunne. So there was a few different ways to think about this match going in. Like, really, anybody could have won from a storyline perspective. Like, Strong winning the North American title. I mean, it plays into the Undisputed Era going for all the championships. Dunn just coming off having lost the United Kingdom title after having held the held it for two years. So of course he's deserving of, you know, a geographically restricted title. That makes sense. And uh, and Velveteen Dream, I mean, he's uh like Velveteen Dream's very popular. He was another one where I really noticed just how many fans were Velveteen Dream fans. He's got He's got a bunch of people really into what he's doing as well. So he was able to pick up the victory here. And this was sort of done in a way where he came in and he stole Dunn's victory, I think it was. Um, Or it could have been Strong's victory, I don't know. But he came in, so he retains, and everybody else looks strong in the process. Nobody, it's, you know... Triple threat match with a little build-up, sort of the idea is uh, there's a way to keep everybody strong. Austin Theory from Evolve, so evidently he uh, impressed a bunch of people in WWE with his uh, work on the Evolve 10th anniversary show. Now, he was in the audience, but it's not quite clear if we're going to see... Him in NXT or not. Hey, maybe we'll see some NXT Evolve crossover stuff. Well, we've already seen that, you know. But maybe we'll see some Evolve guys in NXT. And then we had Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim. So, this match was... My girlfriend Amy remarked that this match was a little slow. And her response was echoed by much of the live crowd. It did seem like, I mean, there was a story to this match where Baszler was trying to, you know, get the armbar on Mia Yim. Yim was Yim was fighting dirty. And I guess the idea, you know, is like, you know, Basler. Wraps her in an arm bar. She's going to fish hook her, grab her hair, or something like that. And so that was kind of the story of the match. It did seem as though sort of the fans kind of fell out of it a little. I think it's significant that Baszler won without any help from uh, Shafir or Duke. And so I think maybe that was kind of the point of this match, is that Baszler's last few programs with the title she's been have, have resulted in her title being saved by Duke and Shafir and maybe the idea is let's give her a takeover where she just straight up wins and that was this takeover and then we go to the best two of three falls match Adam Cole defeated Johnny Gargano and this match was what everybody in the building had just been waiting to see. Adam Cole is insanely popular. He would like, there were people enthusiastically standing up and like shooting their arms out with such, I'm going to say, veracity. With such veracity. That might not be the wrong word. <laughs> it might not be the wrong word. Might be the right word. Um, that I seriously thought they were at risk of injury. Like doing the baby. Bay, they got so into it. He was really popular. And this match was. I mean. Exa- it was exactly what the fans wanted to see. Um, so I didn't even notice the cage. The cage was draped off. Like there was a curtain over it. So, from the from the upper level, all you could see was that there was something draped off. But that could have been anything, you know. Like, it was above the scoreboard. Or yeah, Yeah, it was above the scoreboard. Well, anyway, long story short, I just wasn't looking there. And it wasn't until I heard somebody behind me say, How long do you think it'll be for them to lower the cage? I was like, and then that's when I noticed, oh, shit, they have this thing draped off. And I thought maybe the reason that the weapons were attached to it was kind of like, well, everybody's going to notice the cage. And I guess on the Internet, the part about the weapons did come through, too. Um, so maybe the surprise then is when they lower the cage. Well, there's barbed wire, there's a sledgehammer, there's chairs, there's, there's all this crazy stuff. And so the match was they had a, a normal singles match where they went back and forth, uh, unloaded their whole arsenal of wrestling maneuvers. And eventually Gargano decided to take the risk where he's going to get disqualified by hitting Adam Cole with the chair. But then he's going to soften Cole up so much that it's going to give him an advantage in the next round, which is a street fight. So that's what he does. And then the street fight, they brawled all around the arena. And eventually Gargano's Gargano makes Cole tap out. They lower the cage. There's They make an announcement. There's no escape. There's barbed wire. There's chairs. They use everything there is. Finally, there, are, uh, there was... Um, One spot that I thought was incredible, uh, Adam Cole went like halfway up the ladder, jumped down, Canadian Destroyer. He had done a Canadian Destroyer before, but that one was off the ladder. The end of the match comes. They're both perched on a table on top of the cage. They both end up jumping over a ladder. They miss one table, but go through a second table Cole has the wherewithal to drape his arm over Gargano and get the 1-2-3. He has to be helped away by the other members of the Undisputed Era. He'll continue on as NXT champion. Johnny Gargano loses after the pay-per-view ends. Everybody gives him a standing ovation. Uh, He sort of does the, like points to everyone, and then like, you know, thumps his heart kind of thing. There are, some, there are some who believe that was sort of a way of saying, you know, thanks to everyone, but, you know, I'm going up to the main roster now. I don't really see it as that. I don't think Gargano's going up to the main roster. Like, I, I think we need to wait and see what happens when Champa Chium- uh, gets back. Now the last... okay, so Ciampa there were- was the belief that Ciampa wasn't gonna be back until next year. But there's also the belief that he's ahead of schedule. So if he's ahead of schedule and he was supposed to be back next year, I mean theoretically, you know, he he could be back in time for the next takeover. Um that doesn't it doesn't seem likely though. Like it, it seems like this was a bad neck injury. They're probably not going to rush it. It's probably going to be 2020 until we see Ciampa back. But it just, it feels like if Gargano's going to the main roster, he's going as part of a tag team with Ciampa like they were going to do. And they're far more valuable on NXT. And like we said before, if NXT's going on FS1, even if that's not as important a slot, than what Raw and SmackDown are in. I mean, if the goal is to get people to tune out from AEW and watch your show instead, you're going to need some people that AEW fans are going to like. And I think they like Ciampa and Gargano. So, it feels like maybe they should stay in NXT... But really, we don't know. Like, the whole industry is going to get completely shook in weeks now. I mean, well, not even two months. It's not even two months now. It's, uh, you know, a month and 20 days until the whole industry is completely thrown for a loop. Again, just the announcement of AEW threw the industry for a loop because it changed how... um, it changed how talent could deal with WWE by providing another big money option for them. It increased the amount of leverage that all the wrestlers have because there's more jobs out there now. So that they can, um, you know, I mean, case in point, wrestlers used to be worried about getting fired from WWE. Now wrestlers basically can't get fired from WWE because they might end up in AEW. So, But that was TakeOver. I thought it was a fantastic show, and it was great to experience live. Uh, And so why don't we stop this video here, and then we will do another one if you want to go over SummerSlam as well. So this was TakeOver. Thanks again, guys, for supporting this channel and this website. Please don't forget to hit the Like button or... Make a positive comment. All that stuff helps the channel be seen by more people. Thanks again. I'm the iGuy from Spoiler Free Wrestling.